Well, hello everybody. Uh, as Brad said, I'm one of the pastors here on staff, uh, but believe it or not, I'm really proud of that student pastor label. It's been a ton of fun to be the youth pastor during this season of life, but it's also been pretty crazy for our youth ministry. Let alone in our church family as a whole, the season has been wild. But let me just show you some stuff in the youth ministry. Once again, for the first three months of youth group, we were doing uh, online services as well, but through Instagram. I mean, come on, that's the only thing we can do to connect with students. Instagram live feature, that was a ton of fun. And then we moved into this thing called Zoom Hangouts, and so our students were all about Zoom for like a month, and then that died out because they didn't even want to mention Zoom anymore. And then there was huge Zoom fatigue. And we got to the point where we were allowed to meet in small groups of like 10, and then under 50, following CDC guidelines, wearing masks, safety, all that. And that's been a lot of fun to do that together. We've also planned for three different camps, and we've changed all three of those different camps, and we also canceled all three of those different camps. And man, I, I'll be honest, I can't even remember what the lower half of my students' faces look like anymore because of these masks that we've been wearing. Like, it's been pretty crazy. It's been hard, it's been difficult, and it's been a little stressful. But what if I were to tell you, in the midst of all those uncertain, hard, difficult, stressful times, that the students in our youth group were actually able to connect and grow with Jesus on a deeper level this summer? In fact, what if I told you, yeah, you, you behind the screen, that in this difficult, uncertain, and stressful season of life, that you can connect and grow with Jesus? A lot of us are about to step into this new, believe it or not, different season of life right now. And that different season of life is the fall, August, fall 2020. And usually for any human being, when we move into the fall, there's two things that are the big um, factors of life that come in. That's school and that's jobs. For real, think about it. No matter who you are, you probably are just entering that season where school and jobs are new or difficult or just different. Parents. For a lot of you, this season of fall and school is a great opportunity to send your kids away for six to eight hours where you can have the home all to yourself or go to work and not have to worry about the house burning down. But now, a lot of you guys are teachers or stay-at-home teacher's assistants. Maybe your work is no longer allowing you to meet up in person and you have to work from home. Your kids may be doing online school Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but then Tuesday and Thursday, they're going in person, in school. Okay. And then some of you guys are actually still required to go into work. But your kids are all online. And you don't know how you're going to balance your work and them being at home all by themselves. That's hard. That's difficult. And that's stressful. And if your kids, whether that's middle school, elementary school, or high school, even though you may not like to admit it, I know that the fall season is one of the best times for you because you get to come back and meet with all of your friends that you've had for a long time. You get to see new teachers and new classes that you're excited for. And let's be honest, you get to swag out in that summer clothing that you've been waiting to show all year long. But now, you have to find some place in your home to do your schoolwork and to do school. You're making your parents and you're making sure that they're not watching you because if they watch you, you might fall asleep or you might not be doing your homework. And that's supposed to be your teacher's job anyway. You aren't really sure if school sports or band or choir or whatever club you're most passionate about is even going to be able to happen this school year. And then lunch, the most important subject of your life, usually is with your friends who you love all around you, 
but now you're having lunch at home with your siblings, and that's not fun. That's hard. That's difficult. That's stressful. And if you're in college, the fall is a great opportunity for you to get away and to become your own person, to find your passions, to meet new friends, to build lifelong friends. (laughs) But now you got to stay home with mom and dad or you're stuck in a dorm room or an apartment with the same three or four people all first semester. Believe it or not, you're not sure how you're gonna find a job with all this stuff going on. Oh, oh wait, stimulus checks. (laughs) Or maybe you didn't get a stimulus check. Either way, college life is one of the best experiences for you to become your own person. And now you're thinking to yourself, man, I don't know how COVID-19 is not gonna spread on my college campus this year. That's hard, that's difficult, that's stressful. Maybe you're entering this fall season of your job and usually this fall season of your job is all about dreams and teams, planning coming together, goals. You finally get the opportunity to prove yourself to your boss, to your manager that you're gonna take that next step in your work. But now your job position is in limbo and you're really not sure if this fall you're gonna get furloughed or if you're gonna get fired. You're so sick and tired of Zoom meetings and Google Hangouts and Microsoft Teams groups that whenever you see a screen, even if it's your TV, you get headaches. Maybe you don't have a job coming into the fall and you worked all summer to try to find one. That's hard. That's difficult. That's stressful. Now you may be thinking, wow, Russell, uh, thank you very much for pointing out all my weaknesses and all my insecurities. You got me all up in the feels. (laughs) Well, sorry, but also not sorry. You see, guys, as believers and followers of Christ, you have this attainable source to cling to in times of difficulties, of hardships, of stressfulness. And believe it or not, you have a source that you can even grow with in these hard times. That source is the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus, he teaches us in this famous Sermon on the Mount, kind of about this idea of the kingdom of God. And the setting here is Jesus on this mountainside. And he's got his disciples below him. He's got large crowds of people below him. And they're all waiting patiently, not really, listening to his teaching, wanting to hear from him. And it's found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 to 10. And these are the words that Jesus says himself. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses those who are hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. And God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, let me preface something for you really quick here. Believe it or not, the kingdom of God is a place where God gets what God wants. It's not a place where you get what you want. And that can kind of be a hard reality. But if you listen to that verse, those verses that I just said, everything that Jesus says here about being a human being is recognizing our need for him or doing what we think he wants and then we live in the kingdom of God. I mean, listen to this. When we realize that we need him, he gets the attention. When we mourn to him, he gets to be our comforter. 
When we humble ourselves, he gets the glory. When we hunger and thirst for justice, he gets to be all that we look to and all that we turn to. When we are merciful towards others, he gets to show his grace to us. When our hearts are pure, he gets to be seen by us. When we work for peace, he gets to be our father. And when we are persecuted for doing right, he gets to be with us. You see, when you realize the need in your heart for the king, then you can begin to live in his kingdom. But what begins to happen is when you begin to live in his kingdom, again, where God gets what God wants, you find out, and it's actually this idea of you wanted that all along. You start to realize that that's what you need. That's what you want. That's what your heart has longed for. Your heart feels full. The stress in your life, it starts to clear up, actually. The hardships and difficulties in your life, they get easier because you're not alone anymore. When your weaknesses begin to show, God begins to make you strong. And there are some verses in 2 Corinthians that I think so clearly embody our need for the Lord in these times. It comes in chapter 12, verses 7 and 10, and it's the Apostle Paul who's writing to all the believers in the church of Corinth, as well as all the holy people throughout Greece. And he's talking to them about this thorn in his flesh that constantly torments his life. And I think that this is something we can all relate to. Here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Think about a lot of the heroes of our faith that we see in Scripture. You know, the ones we always are heard about in our Bible stories or when we grew up in family life ministry. Most of us view them as these physically or spiritually strong men and women. But if you begin to dive deep into those verses and those passages, you see that the Bible doesn't really spin their flaws and their weaknesses. In fact, it, it highlights them and it makes sure that they're known. Hey, listen to this list. Abraham lied. Hosea's wife was a prostitute. Peter rebuked Jesus. Noah got drunk. Jonah was a racist. Jacob lied. John Mark deserted Paul. Elijah burned out. Jeremiah was depressed and suicidal. Thomas doubted. Moses had a temper. Timothy had ulcers. Even David, the man after God's own heart, whom God beloved, <laughs> he committed adultery with Bathsheba and murdered her husband. Yet all these people can teach us the same message, that every human being, regardless of your strengths and weaknesses, is vulnerable, weak, and dependent on God. In 2 Corinthians, the verses I read earlier, Paul, again, talks about this thorn in his flesh and how he struggled with God not answering his prayers to remove that. But nevertheless, he thanked God for his brokenness, knowing that without it, he would have been a pretty arrogant and conceited apostle. You see, he learned, as we all must, that Christ's power is perfectly made only when we are weak. And guys, I hate to admit this, but believe it or not, I'm weak. I mean, I can't lift 20-pound dumbbells without getting really tired. 
I can't go on a two-mile walk or even a run without getting cramps or having to stop for long periods of time. I can't wake up at a consistent time without turning my alarm off and wanting to keep sleeping. I have a hard time doubting my role and my position in my work. Being confident in who God perfectly created me to be is kind of tough sometimes. And junior hires, trying to get them to wear a mask for an hour and a half is tough. But my point being is that I am actively depending on God's grace and power in my life. And so one of the fav- my favorite things that I've been able to do in this COVID season, specifically in these last two months, has been to consistently and constantly invite Jesus into my day. And it's been a great way for me to remind myself that I'm living with Jesus and that his grace and his power can help me live a full life. So what I typically do is I wake up every morning and, you know, after slapping my alarm off because it's going off and I didn't want it to, and after not checking my notifications that happened all night or all morning, I stop, I sit up, and I invite God into my day and say that I want to do today with him. And it's actually pretty simple. It just goes something like, Lord, thank you for this day. Jesus, I invite you into my day today so that I can do life with you. And then throughout my day, I choose two specific times to specifically stop what I'm doing, go off by myself, and just spend five minutes alone with God. And see, this helps me refocus my thoughts and my heart on Jesus, showing that I need him. Because honestly, I can try to do my whole work schedule my whole life and crank it all out, but I find that I'm tired, that I'm not fulfilled. But when I stop and invite Jesus, I'm pretty fulfilled. And those five minutes with him, it can consist of being quiet or slowly breathing, asking myself random questions, reading a short devotional, being still, praying, but most importantly is reinviting Jesus back into my day to recognize that I need him and that I depend on him. And then finally, at the very end of my day, before I go to bed and I turn off my nightstand, I think back of everything that happened in my day and maybe how Jesus was involved in it. And what I begin to realize is that if I think hard enough, he was in every single part of my day because I invited him into every single part of my day. And then I realized I lived a pretty full life no matter what happened. Peter Cesaro, the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, a really good book, I would recommend reading it. He had this to say about being with Jesus. Powerful spiritual breakthroughs take place deep below the surface of our lives when we slow down to spend time with God in stillness and scripture. This provides space for his purifying love to burn away all that is false within us and set us free to authentically live in Jesus. Now, some of you may be thinking, Russell, how do I remind myself to invite Jesus into my day? I can't even remind myself to put on deodorant in the morning or to go work out throughout the day. Even worse, I can't remind myself to put deodorant on after I worked out. Ugh. Well, here's some good news for you. God's grace and power are so forgiving of us just forgetting to be with him. Honestly, at least once a day, I forget to do one of those four reminders that I sit in sight to do to be with him. But just because I forget, it doesn't mean that he's not available and that he doesn't choose on his own to invade my day and say, hey, Russell, I know you're trying. I know you want to be with me, so let me step in here with you today. And here's the other good news. God's grace and power are so deserving of your attention. You see, receiving God's grace and power in your life is to live in the kingdom of God. And you can't receive something that isn't available or isn't present. And because of Jesus, we have that opportunity to live in the kingdom of God now with the hope 
for eternity with God in his kingdom. Let me uh, remind you really quick through the book of Hebrews about the good news of what Jesus has done and made available. It comes from two parts in Hebrews, chapter two, verses 14 through 18, and chapter four, verses 14 through 16. Here's what it says. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the son did not come to help angels, he came to help the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find his grace to help us when we need it most. Over this summer, we did this thing in our youth group, and we called it mini groups for our students. And so in these mini groups, it gave us an opportunity to spend time specifically with junior high students, high school underclassmen, and high school upperclassmen, all at different times throughout the week, and that way we can be with them in small groups of under 10, depending on when those restrictions were in place. And we emphasize that these groups weren't going to be like any accountability group or Bible study, but that they were actually going to be an opportunity for you guys and us to dive deeper into hot topics in our lives that are important to have. And then we would back them up with biblical and Jesus standpoints. And our intern at the time, uh, Jake Reed, led these discussions so well for our students, and he really made it important to hit these important hot topics impacting our students' lives. And so our goal for these groups were for our students to have a safe place to discuss their opinions, their beliefs, uh, their views on these topics. Well, then myself, Jake, and Andrew would come alongside and say, how do you think Jesus would view this? Or what do you think scripture would have to say? And again, these were really tough subjects. Like if I said them pretty tough that you probably wouldn't even want to have yourself, but we wanted our students to form their own personal opinions and beliefs with Jesus on these things. And so in our last week together, in fact, it was like two weeks ago, we asked what was the best or most important thing that you learned and just remembered from all these weeks of doing these mini groups. And it was about eight weeks in total that we did these. And one of our incoming ninth grade boys, uh, Milky was his name, responded with a, a simple yet profound statement. He said, you know what? I think what I learned the most was that eternity starts now. Oh, dang, ninth grade boy. Eternity starts now. Think about that. The rest of your life with God can start now. If that's the case, then why wait? Life with God is so much better anyway than life without God. In Matthew 6 and Luke 12, they both say, seek first the kingdom of God above all else and he will give you everything you need. But guys, we can blame a lot of life right now on COVID-19. I mean, I think all of us listening and watching to this can say that in some way, COVID-19 has made life difficult, hard, and stressful. And this fall season that we're heading into, where schools and jobs are going to be different than normal, it doesn't help. 
but I just wanted to remind you that living as a Christian, being a believer and a follower of Jesus, isn't supposed to be easy. Even living in the kingdom of God isn't easy because remember, it's what God wants and not what you want. But Jesus modeled a life, a Christian life for us that was full of suffering. And I'm not too sure how much we may suffer, but I definitely think that we struggle in our Christian life. You see, struggles show our weaknesses. They show our insecurities, they show our failures, and they show our flaws. But struggle, struggle makes us stronger. It builds us up in our faith Although this result can only be achieved when we face that struggle head on and not when we run from it. Authors of the book Love That Lasts, Gary and Betsy Ricciucci, uh, point out this. Our Lord has sovereignly ordained that our refining process takes place as we go through difficulties, not around them. The Bible is filled with examples of those who overcame as they passed through the desert through the Red Sea, through the fiery furnace, and ultimately through the cross. God doesn't protect Christians from their problems. He helps them walk victoriously through their problems. So walk this season of life through the fall, but walk it with Jesus. Invite the kingdom of God into your life. Live with the king. Embrace Jesus in this present moment. Jesus portrayed as Jesus portrayed struggle as the entry point into the Christian life, stressing that it would be a daily reality of our faith, saying that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily. This is the definitive test of whether we are living in God's kingdom or living for our own comfort. And so I want to encourage you, in the midst of all these difficult, uncertain, and stressful and hard seasons of life that you're going into or may already be in, know that eternity starts now. And it starts now because it has been made available. Eternity with God is available through living in his kingdom now. Because Jesus has made it available for you to cling to God's kingdom and trust in his power and grace in your life. When we increasingly spend time with Jesus, we will begin to increasingly think like him, which in our world will make us increasingly mistaken for him. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, you are so, so good. Lord, help us to wrestle with the reality that eternity starts now. Sometimes we just so focus on the kingdom of God being out there or above us or down the road, and we forget that we can actually live in the kingdom of God now because your son Jesus has made it available for us. It's a simplified way of the good news. Lord, would you help us this week uh, to remind ourselves and remember to spend time with you, to pause in our morning or during the day or in the evening and say, God, would you invade my day? God, can I live in your kingdom now? Jesus, would you do today with me? Holy Spirit, will you fill my heart? Because when we begin to do that, Lord, we can experience your presence like none other. We begin to see life as an opportunity. In this season of life that we're going into, Lord, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be stressful. But when we do life with you, when we invite you into our day, when we try to live in your kingdom that is present here and now, we can do so much more than we ever thought we could. God, thank you so much for this day. We love you and thank you for your son. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.